All right, this is Hyperborean Radio. I'm Celtic God. With me today is the Lore Keeper, as always. Yes, and today we actually kind of want to talk about balance. Because in European Hyperborean, whatever you want to call it, heathenry, paganism, good fellow... Hyperborean ethnic faith. Yes, precisely. Hyperborean ethnic faith. There is no yin-yang. There is no good evil. There is It's not a binary. No, we don't have binaries. We don't have dichotomies. It's not Loki versus Odin. It's not Zeus versus Hades. The devil versus God. And again, it's because we don't have just the two points. It's not good versus evil. Like just a few minutes ago, you brought up while we was uh, doing our pre-talk, you brought up the wind turbine. If somebody gets sucked into a wind turbine and gets chewed up in the mulch, that wind turbine is not evil. No. No evil spirit pushed the person into it. What caused it? Shit happens, and probably odds are the person that got ground up in the mulch wasn't paying attention. Even if he was sleepwalking. Yeah. All that happened was a bad thing. The This desire for good and evil, for a good God and an evil God or evil spirits, it's, it's something that's been taught to us when we're young, and uh, we kind of try to do it naturally anyways. It's not my fault. That's precisely what it is. It's the just devil made me do it. Yeah, the devil made me do it. Um, <clears throat> the idea is, is if you have an evil thing that is just inherently evil or an evil God or an evil spirit that's doing these evil things. You it, have a fall guy. You have a fall guy. You're, you're trying to escape personal responsibility. Well, And, and the, sometimes shit just happens. Well, and basically what it is, and they have a concept like this in, because uh, basically what karma is in the Hindu tradition is sin. Mm-hmm. That's effectively what it is. What, how, what's your sin meter? Does your, uh, on the scale of one to 10, how is your sin meter working out? Do you get reincarnated as a tapeworm or do you get reincarnated as a better person? I don't know. Let's check the sin meter. Round and round it goes. Where it stops, only your dipshittery nose. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much. That's what the entirety of it comes down to. I well, don't even know where to go from this because I already answered all the questions. Well, and here, here's the <laughs> thing. Here's the thing is people look at something bad happening. Like, for instance, a baby chick gets eaten by a fox and they think that's evil. It's not evil. It was pretty good for the fox. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is what is uh, evil for the lion is great for the lamb. Because the lion will eat the lamb. It's a meal. But right. but, but if, if the lamb doesn't like that. So, the, so that's good for the lion. Now, on the other hand, if the lambs manage to get away from the lion. Now, the lion is starving and the cubs right. are starving. Right. It's all life is is conflict throughout your entire life. You yeah, like something else that you said just a few minutes ago. And I, I really liked it. It's not that you're born, you live, and then you die. You live, you fight, and then you die. Right. These people that are pursuing life without conflict... They need to stop eating, stop breathing, stop drinking, stop moving. Well, and if you've noticed, the ones that try to avoid conflict. Uh, well, and it's they, not me saying that. It's not me just being a dick. It's literally, if you eat something, you're you're in conflict with something else. If you drink water, you are in conflict with something else. The fish doesn't want to be eaten. The carrot doesn't want to be uprooted. The microbes in the water, the just the act of breathing alone is in conflict. Well, there's even... To use the Hindus again, there's a actual sect of that Dravidian faith that is ex- that takes this to the extreme of anti-conflict. Mm-hmm. They carry around like a feather broom specifically to sweep in front of them to keep them from crushing bugs. Yes. 
That, that's they will actually drink their water yeah, through a cheese. There's cloth. Buddhist sects that do the same thing. It's well, the one. Well, and here's the thing: what anti-conflict is by its very nature is you are anti-change. Right. Well, and quite simply, without conflict, you don't have life. Well, you don't have life, and you can't change anything. It's, it's not even death. It's just you don't entropy. have life. Entropy. Because death creates. This is the thing. When you die, something will eat you, even if it's just the microbes in right. your stomach. Well, and I wouldn't even call it entropy because entropy is life winding down. Zero conflict is just no life. It's, it's not death. It's, a, it's, it's not entropy. Stop. It's nothing. Well, like most people they avoid con- who avoid conflict, they are actually completely avoiding not only change, becoming a better person right well because change doesn't have to be bad and it doesn't have to be good it just is well humans are inherently we're not fragile creatures as much as people try to say we are what we are is we're soft right now a lot of us are borderline domesticated Mm -hmm. we were wolves and bears and now we're turning into chihuahuas so Basically, we're trying to avoid the chihuahuafication of people Mm -hmm. by avoiding the conflict. You live, you die. You're cutting out the third point. Right. And this brings me to people in our spheres have tend to hear about the Apollonian and the Dionysian, which is uh, from Nietzsche, I believe. Right. But he got partway there. Yes. But he just missed the third, the third act. And I think really a lot of it, a lot of these uh, binary or um, I forgot the other way of saying two two things diametric. Um, I think a lot of those views come come from being taught Christianity that we're not taught that there is a third option. Well, and what the third option is is it provides three dimensions. Yes. It provides a spot. It provides a um, a continuous loop. Mm-hmm. Because if you have one and two, you have a binary. You have beginning and end. Once you have a third point, you no longer have a beginning and end because that third point, where do you start? Where do you end? Do you ever end? The third point actually keeps things moving. Right, that binary zero and one, on or off. And there's more than that. Well, and if you look at, say, um, I think it's Seneca, but he actually, long before Nietzsche, had a something like this, but he included the third point. He replaced Apollo with uh, Mercury. So mm-hmm. he had the Mercurial, the Dionysian, or the uh, Bacchian, or whatever. Right, that's the one I'm actually familiar with is the Mercurial. And then, but he included a third point, the third point, which everyone's missing when they talk about Apollonian versus Dionysian. Because in a binary, the two forces inevitably collide. It's you're one or the other. It's like in American politics. You're a, dem- you're a liberal or a conservative. And if you're not on one side, then you must be on the other. There's no such thing as anything yeah. in the middle. Binaries demand you pick a side. And if you don't pick, they will pick for you. Yes, you Just default. ask many of the centrists who suddenly became right. Or left. Or left. Most when, of them became right. And I'm not arguing for a three-party system. That no, would be no. pro- just as corrupt This has as nothing second. to do with politics. But it's the false binary. Mm-hmm. And we're taught to think this way. But once you have a third, it's like there's an x-axis and a y-axis but once you include a z-axis there's a completely different dimension there mm-hmm. that's european ethnic faith we have three points so that third point is herculean, herculean. or strength so the execution of it i guess yeah, the, the, execu- the will the execution the conflict because the thing is no one is truly apollonian no one is truly dionysian no matter how hard you fight to 
just completely focus on one, all you're doing is neglecting the other side of you. Mm -hmm. You need strength to accomplish either of these in the first place. Whether you are a musician, whether you are doing well, and it goes along with the same thing that I've been talking about for years is we are we are a people of extremes. The reason why we are is because there is no third. There is no third balancing point. So then you're all the way on one side and then, oh, shit, this side really sucks. You end up going all the way to the other side, which turns out to be exactly the same as the side that you just left. Well, like Where, a, where's that third point? Well, like a pendulum. But yeah. inst- let's say instead of the pendulum going left, right, left, right, back and forth, back and forth, what if it just spun around mm-hmm. over and over and over again? And then here's the question. Does it actually stop at the same points? Does it constantly switch back and forth? Or is it constantly in motion? So when you have that third point in balance, it's like men and woman. Yes, there is the balance of man and woman. But here's the thing is we are specifically geared to eventually have young to take care of. Like we mm-hmm. were just talking about this. All the holidays require children. Yes. Even the more. Otherwise they fade. Well, they, it, they fade away. Well, even uh, Christmas because Yuletide. People will talk about how Yuletide used to be really adult, and there were like there was drunkenness and sex. Like that's what Father Christmas was. Is he was all the adult merrymaking, the mm-hmm. matchmaking, the costumes, the. But uh, without the children being there to get people together, that part doesn't happen. Yes, and that part is also after the children go to bed. You're yes. not getting just completely. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's like the whole orgy thing. No, no, no. What well, we do? People it, pairing up and well, going off and. Well, people do it today. They go off into the woods in an area that's not... They go into a tent. They go into the broom closet. Yeah, I've never been to, say, a family gathering where couples don't disappear for a little while. We all know what, what they're doing. We, we just, just don't talk yeah, about it. Yeah, we just don't talk about it. Well, yeah, because talking about the football game and the Thanksgiving parade, it doesn't really lend to a, you know, Aunt Karen and uh, Uncle Joey, oh, they just went off and fucked. Yeah, and what does it have to do what, with what, cranberry sauce? Yeah, what does sauce? it matter? What does it have to do with cranberry sauce? Yeah. What does it have to do with mom's apple pie? It's got nothing. Well, and adult merrymaking might actually just be sitting around playing cards, too. Everybody wants to run off to the sex part, and that does happen. But adult merrymaking can also be sitting around playing cards, being well, a little bit loud, a little bit belligerent. Well, it's like... um. After a my little f- bit drunk. Well, like the best celebrations my family's ever had. This is the best one in recent memory. This is going to sound really kind of morbid. My grandmother's funeral. Because I went to it and it was the first time we had had like four generations in the same area. You had, you know, me, you had my cousins, you had my siblings, you had my parents, you had my aunts and uncles, you had my grandfather who just took his, gra- his wife's ashes home. Everybody was talking. And the guys were, myself included, I'm a grown-ass man, so I was hanging out with the other men. The children and the women were off playing games and enjoying, and we were just sitting there talking, enjoying, conversing. Right, but again, adult merrymaking doesn't have to be... No, it can be cigars and whiskey, or even just cigars, or even just conversation. We lost the art of conversation, people. I mean... Like me and you, our favorite pastime outside of actually training or working on the stuff we care about is actually talking. Yeah. We, we converse all the time and we actually like it when we can get other people involved in the conversation. Mm-hmm. This is, it's, an, it's bonding. People are, because of this, these false binaries, 
people are and not only that they removed the the two fault the false binary of left right and they removed tribalism the natural tribalism you know like we were talking about this before every county in the united states used to effectively be its own micronation mm -hmm. its own basically city state well yeah cuz you could do something in one county and you might get expelled from it or not um, but the next county over couldn't do anything about what you did in County A. County B could do nothing about it. And then County A couldn't chase you into County B. Well, and the, as a result, each of these counties started developing their own culture. Mm -hmm. uh, they'd have their own areas, their own things going on. And yeah, that you were able to have a bit of an identity. There wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, you're a Vermonter. It wasn't just, I'm Appalachian. It wasn't just, it was, um, I don't know, of County Kent, uh, County uh, Superman. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But anyways, uh, let's let's pull this back to that um, Mercurial and uh, what was the other one? Bach, Bacchus? Let, let's go with the Apollonian and Dionysian okay. because for the purpose. And then, and then throw Herculean, Herculean in there as the third, the well, third balancing point because it really does require balancing. If you only have the two points and you're trying to balance, you're balancing on a razor's edge. If you have the three points and you're trying to balance, you have some wiggle room. Well, it's uh, for and, and really, it's natural for us. We have those symbols everywhere. Well, like for instance, um, music. Well, that's Apollonian. Yes, to a point. Mm -hmm. If you completely lack the Dionysian, you won't be able to do music. You can technically be great in terms of like your ability to play. You will be technically good. But you won't be able to put any heart into it. Well, you'll be able to hit all of the notes, but you won't be able to make a song. Yes. You so won't. you will hit every note precisely. Like a robot. Right on. But you won't be able to string them together to create a melody. You won't be able to. You might get to the muses, but you won't be able to make much from it. And then. And, and the that thing, would be the Apollonian. The Apollonian without the Dionysian. Now, what about without strength? Without any strength with which to actually perform? You would go nowhere. It would be, be the willpower to practice. Yeah. No willpower, no strength, no hard work. All you would do is in your head, be coming up with little things. It's like people that write whole books in their head and never put a word to paper. Right. That that's the pure Apollonian. Now, let's say that you're on the opposite end. Dionysus. Dionysus is not this drunken frat boy. I hate that people depict him that way. Um, he's actually a very interesting deity, but Dionysus. Uh, the pure Dionysus would be just completely wild, no conception. The, most examples you could pull from the modern day that people might classify as Dionysian is so twisted. I don't know if you could really classify it as Dionysian because it's wild, but it's not cruel. It's mm -hmm. brutal, but it's never cruel. And most people, they go into this weird, deranged, almost kind of self-cruelty. Yeah, which cruelty in any form is not. Even in war, there's no reason to be actually cruel. But let's go with uh, just wildness in general. Dionysus, you're you're truly wild. But you have none of the other aspects from, say, the Ap Apollonian. So you're completely stuck in this one balance point. So effectively, what are you? Well, you're basically an unthinking, completely instinctual-driven individual but because you also have no Herculean, you have no drive to do anything. So you're basically just uh, a screaming coward that can't think. Well, yeah, you're, you're basically in a catatonic state 
buck naked in the middle of the woods, kind of screaming as you slowly die. Mm -hmm. Both of these, any of these three points is completely pointless because even if you have all the Herculean strength and willpower in the world, what do you do with it? Yeah, how do you fork, focus it? Because all Herculean with neither Dionysian or Apollonian yeah, let's go tendencies. Yeah, basically you end up standing there doing nothing. You, you have no direction, no drive, no purpose. And this is where the the three balance points come in. And it's also something something that I think is very important with, uh, what was it? Man, I, I started thinking on something with Tolkien, but basically without, just like you can't have the masculine without the feminine, but you can't really, you can't truly fulfill your role as a masculine or a feminine individual without having a kid. That's why both the, the three stages. Right. They're require, you require children, even if you can't make your own, because that exists, but children are still a requirement. It, that is one of the driving forces. Uh, a lot of people look around now and they're like, well, people do stuff without kids all the time. Yes. And have you noticed how little purpose most people have in their life? It is one of the most pointed out reasons for the decline in society is people lack purpose. Well, it's even in the, the cycle of both a man and a woman's life, mother and father. These are two of the cycles that are included in both is being a parental figure. It's especially prominent in the mother because I think on it's one of the things we've talked about before. Women not really being socially acceptable to have kids until they're like, what, like it's turning into like late 20s at this mm -hmm. point is driving them insane. Well, and I've listened to some people try explaining, you know, the degradation. Here's the truth. The degradation of society is based on many points. You, if you're looking for one, you're always going to miss it. You're well, going to miss the point because it's it's many things piled up together. It's well, a it's a mountain made of pebbles. Well, it's like the blame game. Yeah, all the all the all the men that don't want to take any responsibility blame the woman, and all the women that don't want to take responsibility blame the men, and then the people of us who are like we both have problems, but we can only really work on our own. Mm -hmm. We get shoved to the side. Yeah, like I'll admit, both men and women. It, no one is blameless in this entire situation. But, but I, I was going to roll with the example of, because we was talking about kids and the importance of children, is people will point at the degradation of the nuclear family. It's a horrible name. Clans is a, family clans is a much better description. And it's because of the intonation, I guess, of nuclear. Anyways, the, the family falling apart. Why do they fall apart? A lack of children. Like, quite simply, because here's the thing. Families tend to, if they have children, tend to gravitate towards other family members. Either because they have children, a grandmother, the uncles, the cousins. The more children that are at play, the larger the clan can be, the, the tighter knit that it's going to become. To a point, and of course, there are fractures. That's why we have multiple villages and all of the Hyperborea doesn't live in one mega city. One of the other problems that has happened, and it, this one is actually with time, is how time is treated is as a complete linear. Yeah. And I guess in the sense that until we get... Well, and science is starting to catch up on that, yeah, by the it, way. It's, and realizing it is not just a 
complete linear. It's wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Doctor Who was right. Yes, it's uh, Jeremy Baramy. Yes, or like I like to say, our ancestors knew what the fuck they was talking about. I will give Tolkien credit. One of the things I we've actually talked about this before. Tolkien weirdly got some stuff right that. By all rights, really, I don't think he could have. Like, for instance, the hobbit houses, the tree houses, the cities carved into the mountain. Carved into the mountain, not just made out of yeah, out the, of the, the dwarves, mountain bits. The dwarves take it a tad too far. Right, and the dwarves, the, the dwarven strongholds, it, that's something completely different. You're, we're talking about the human strongholds that the, are literally carved on the outside. The human outside and of, the elven, like right. Rivendell and Gondor. More Rivendell and less Gondor, because Gondor is very... Less trees. It should have more trees. Yes. It shouldn't just have the magic white tree. But I'm sure there's some reason why it has few trees that I don't know about. Anyways. But when a, a species, so like elves, show up, they don't show up as an Adam and Eve of the elves. They show up as a whole tribe of elves. Well, multiple actually tribes. multiple tribes, yeah. And I think that's actually closer to what happened with us. I think the whole first man and first woman thing, because that only seems to show up post-Christianity. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really happen in Greek mythology, at least the old well, stuff. Well, almost all of academia is geared... Uh, academia, theology, and um, um, scholarly pursuits, science, is geared towards trying to prove that Adam and Eve theory. And it doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense that we was the Neanderthal. Well, the Neanderthals were a separate species. Eh. Eh. Doesn't matter. Let's say Neanderthal evolved into us was there only two neanderthal that evolved does that make any sense or does it make more sense that they all evolved loosely together because the environment changed and they were already kind of trading back and forth anyways precisely and here's the thing neanderthals all over the place because there is Neanderthal genetic admixture mm -hmm. in north america south america hyperboreans hold so much of that, the, the Neanderthal um, DNA that it actually makes more sense that we evolve from them rather than some kind of well uh, cross-species pollination. Oh, yeah. It's on average like 10%, which means there's plenty with a lot more. Yeah, correct. It, it's, it it's, makes sense for genetic drift more so in the sense of genetic drift than in... Um, fuck, what's that called when two different species breed? breed uh, hybridization. Other? Yeah, rather than hybridization. Well, Genetic drift from a singular genetic source makes far more sense for us than hybridization from two separate things. Well, one of my, well, we've actually joked about this before. And that's not me making that up. That's me actually going off from what geneticists have said, reading very boring scientific papers. Yes. But like we've joked, put you in, I don't know, a stereotypical leopard skin and have oh, you yeah, just stand still. Most of my adult life is we could just put you in, in, Furs and hand you a stick and put you up on the stage in, in a museum and nobody would even notice that you're a real person. They'd think that you're a Neanderthal part of the uh, display. I've half considered doing that just as a funny thing. Just like, to see. Just like on an April Fool's Day or Halloween just to fuck with people. Not so much for me, but I'm also, you were a country boy, so you got the rougher face thing mm -hmm. going on. What I was getting at with Tolkien is uh, the ages. I mean, I don't, he kept it as a linear but, you know, the first age, the second age, the third age, we don't really have that, but it actually makes sense. And we actually sort of make it like the Victorian era. It makes sense actually to segment out time like that. Mm -hmm. Each one is its own age because really it's like the Dark Ages. 
well, not the Dark Ages, the medieval era, is so different from the modern era. And the modern era is probably going to be really different from whatever follows that. It's that old saying, the past is a different country. And this is the other point of balance is the a lot of people try to go back. We're not recreationists. It sometimes seems that way, but like, for instance, I give a lot of shit to people that rune cast. Partially because they give me a lot of shit for not rune casting, even though I'm going off of you know, the fact that it wasn't a thing until late 1800, early 1900 occultists. Well, and that wasn't even rune casting at no, that point. No, that was just esoteric tarot cards. That was just tarot, tarot cards, cards and, and um, crystal balls were all the fad. And some esoteric nonsense was right. popping up. But until um, the eight... Uh, tea leaf reading, that was also a thing. And uh, stuff like that was all the fad during, during that period. The rune reading itself, 80s. 1982? Basically, it was for a board game. And here's the thing. I don't really have any problem with that, but here's the thing, is if you're going to rune read one of two things, either you're having a fever dream or it's all you. Mm -hmm. it, the runes have nothing to do with it. You could do the same thing with uh, flashcards for the alphabet for five-year-olds. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind people doing that. What I mind is them believing it's ancient. I don't have a problem with new things. The fact that I... I don't have a problem with them doing it. What I have a problem with them is insisting that I do it. Insisting that I do it and that we're not pagan if we don't do it. Yeah. That's... It, they're the ones that... It's like people that use Vril and then, oh, you don't use or talk about Vril? You're not a Vril user? No, because it was invented in the last, what, like less than 200? 1871. Said, said it was in so a science fiction book. We went over yeah. this in our last podcast. I think it's 1871. But it makes more sense to segment out time like that than it does how we do it now, which is, uh, what, BCE and CE? Uh, before current era right. and current well, Most era. people will use BC and AD. I, I nominate that all Hyperborean ethnic faith followers use BCE, before current era, and CE, current era. Because BC and AD is a direct Christian reference. Here's another funny thing. I'll, I'll even use the three-point balance for talking. Speech. Mm -hmm. There is singing, but no words. So just singing. Much like colning. Colning, yodeling, vocalizing. How a lot of old pagan songs used to be sung. Like uh, there's one Christmas carol. Is it What, mm. ch what Child Is yes, This? Yes, What Child Is This? It's uh, the it, it used to be a melody that everybody would sing, uh, walk around um, vocalizing. There were no words for it. It drove the local priests Priest. and monks crazy, so they came up with words for it because they couldn't stop, and I quote, the dirty pagans from doing this. Yes, and then on the opposite end, we have growling, which most of our people can do. Like you, uh, when you were... Except Long, for when I'm put on the spot. Yes. But when you were, well, for legal reasons, long-term camping yes. in the woods, you actually came back and were borderline growling. Same with yeah. that one guy. I thought I was talking. Yeah, but, but everyone else, all they heard was a growl. Well, same with the, the you met one guy that lived, uh, that, that, that camped, camped far longer than I did. For three years longer than you did, because you did two, he did five. Uh, I think he was in the Rocky Mountains. Yes, but he, he, he came out and he was just growling. And that's sort of the default talking. Like, you can even hear it in some of the older languages, like Basque, Finnish, and, uh, like, the Celtic languages. Some they're, of them, yeah. They're a lot more growly, and especially some older dialects of, like, Germanic and stuff like that. Now, that's, that's a binary, right? Well, you have the singing, and you have the growling. Yes, but notice something's missing in there. The third thing, words. 
These aren't singing and growling languages. At some point, there's a third point. Mm -hmm. Language. Singing, growling, language. Within the Hyperborean conception of these things, even speech can be rendered into a at least three points. Right. And where they meet in the middle, you have our ability to talk, what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that drives me crazy, because we're talking about a three-point three, three balance system, and really it does away with good and evil. But you always have somebody that's like, oh, so you don't believe in good and evil. Are you telling me that cannibalism is good? Well, I can point you to some societies that think it is. Well, what about pedophilia? Are you saying that's good? I can, again, point you to some Christian, even Christian societies that think it is. For the cannibalism, that's um, Hinduism. Well, here's There the, are actual cannibal... Neither pedophilia nor cannibalism are sins, according to the Bible. Uh, according, according to the Christian Bible, wrap your mind around that. But they'll always do these things. It's like... No, that is not what I'm saying. I am also saying that there is nothing that's inherently good. As in feeding the poor. Feeding the poor is good, right? But what if you're feeding them poison? What if you're stealing from somebody to feed the poor? Does that is that good then? Does it make the stealing good or does it make the feeding bad? Yeah. So there is no inherent good and there is no inherent bad. There are things that we all agree are more noble. Things that we agree are less noble. This is in part society, but society is also dictated by the ethnos that's created the society. They're, they're, you can't really separate them. That's why our society is upside down, tipsy turvy. Well, well, they're and trying to make everybody right happy, now. and it doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. Well, it's um, when you try to make everybody happy, you make nobody happy. Precisely. It's it's how we work. We are not a binary people. Everybody that really insists on a good and evil, what they actually want is for evil to exist. They don't care so much about the good existing. They need evil to exist, though, so that they have something to oppose, so that they can feel better about themselves, so that they're not to blame when they do something bad, so that they're not to blame when something bad happens to them. Well, here's the secret. Sometimes bad things can happen to you, and it's just not your fault. Yes. If you're walking a, a, along a trail out in the woods and then a treetop or a limb comes flying out of nowhere from 45 miles away and peels you in the, in the back of the head or in the face, it's not necessarily your fault. The tree limb isn't evil. No evil spirit threw it at you from 45 miles away. It's just something that happened. It's called nature. It is a thing that happened. And it's the same reason why I don't like certain animals, like jackals, or the African dog. Oh, I hate those things. They, they, I, would I genocide them? No. I think you're thinking of the African wild dog. Yeah, the African the wild dog. They're, they're jackals. They're not the hyenas. They're the other ones. Oh, th- those aren't jackals. Those are literally just called the African wild dog. Right, whatever the fuck they are. They intentionally, when they kill, leave the thing that they're hunting Alive. alive as long as possible. They eat it from the ass end up so it stays alive as long as possible. I myself am not a fan of that. I like the northern animals, which actually has tendency to kill outright. 
Not always. There are exceptions to the rule, but most of the northern animals kill outright. The other thing is, is that the way that we kind of view things, and this is actually something we've been talking a lot about uh, between us, is we're storytellers. Celtic God and the Lore Keeper, we're storytellers. Mm-hmm. We're not academics. We're not scholars. We actually know more than they do on average, it seems. Right. And really, we used to say, this shouldn't be the case. But here's here's the thing, really, and it dawned on me a couple weeks ago. Actually, it should be the case because we live it. Yes. I mean, you wouldn't know it looking at us, uh, at least if you didn't know what you were looking at, because we don't have... People do recognize it, but they don't know what it is that they're looking at. Like, think about all the people that we interact with. And now when we say, oh, skull-crushing pagan and point at ourselves, they're like, ah... That's what's different. But that makes sense. I get it now. But we don't wear amulets. We don't wear. I mean, I have a T-shirt with our you know group symbol, but that's a little bit different. We don't have our house littered with pagan items, at least in what people would think of pagan items. Mm-hmm. We are very basically we don't, we don't wear it, the special clothes or it's not an aesthetic. Right. We don't. We're not neither. There of us are covered in tattoos. CG has some he's earned. I don't. Uh, he's actually got some that he earned that he doesn't have yet because socially getting a raven tattooed across your face doesn't tend to get you a lot of jobs. Right. It's just the way that it is, and it's not a requirement. No. In general, what I'm getting at here is paganism is not an aesthetic. It's a way of being. It's a, There's a beautiful German word. I think it's Weltanschauung. I don't want to accidentally say like accidentally like wild penis or something because I don't speak I don't speak German very well, uh, which I probably would actually speak German really well if World War One and World War Two hadn't happened in that because the Germans in America, like my ancestors, used to teach their kids German and then it became socially unacceptable and they just stopped. Right. They would actually just straight up beat their kids if they tried to speak German. Mm-hmm. But. There's a really good word there, but it just basically means a way of viewing things. And part of the reason you can't be pagan and Christian, like paganism is not for all intents and purposes what most people would term a religion. But it's also not not a religion. Well, my religion, I am, okay. My religion is my people. That includes you. I am a true believer. I am not a zealot because a zealot is somebody that wishes that they were a true believer. Well, our, our, I am a true believer. Well, we did a podcast on it a really long time ago, um, Baby Gods. Mm-hmm. It, I don't think it's up anymore, but basically we are baby gods for all intents and purposes. With how apotheosis and ascendance It's works, not even all intents and purposes. is by the by our lore. Yeah, we are. We are baby gods. Yeah, we are descendants, and basically we can eventually become gods. And here's the thing. You don't get it by meditating cross-legged. You can think of it this way. All babies, all all of our babies are potential adults. So they are baby adults. But they're not all going to become adults. Some are going to die. And some will, they, they will gain the body where they should be adults, but they're going to remain children. Mentally, yeah. Yeah, for for the rest of their lives. So they don't all achieve adulthood. Not everyone's Heracles. Not everyone's Asclepius. Not everyone is Sviatoslav. Right. Well, that's, yeah. Because babies, I call them man cubs, or I call them um, as little humans and man cubs. Because that's what they are. They're little humans and they're man cubs. But not all of them will achieve adulthood. Yeah, it's sad, it's just but it's the true. way that uh, Yeah, it's just the way that it is. 
I, I hope the ones I meet do, but that's just a wild hope. And it's the same way with us being baby gods. Some of us hopefully will achieve it. Some of us won't. Well, it's like um, people want to take the divine and separate it from people, but it's not the case. Like, for instance, there's a w rather wonderful post I read from somebody a while ago. I forget who did it. But it was basically, we are the elves to dogs. Mm -hmm. We live way longer than them. A dog can go its entire life and not see us age. We can seemingly magically heal them. We seem to have an endless supply of food. We can build structures the dog couldn't even dream of. For all intents and purposes, from the outside looking in, we are magical creatures. To we are the, the gods of dogs. Yes. They are extremely loyal. They are extremely caring. They love us. And in many, and it's actually kind of wonderful if you look at it that way. And it's not just them. If you, like, uh, hermits. Let's go with hermits. When people talk about our, for lack of a better term, priests or shamans or all these words that really don't mean what people want them to mean. They always go to like the druids or the witches and yeah, but not really. The well, if you look back in history, I'm going to make it really simple. You look, look back in history. Our druids were not holy men. They were teachers. They were advisors. They were walking libraries basically. Yeah. Now, all across Europe, everywhere that I can find. The holy men, the wizards, the magic users, so on and so forth. They were hermits. And, here's and they were considered holy men regardless of the word that, that was associated with them because they weren't all wizards. They weren't all this or that, but they was all, well, most of them were considered holy men of some kind. They were hermits. And they weren't hermits like living on the edge of society. They were hermits on, you had to go on a freaking quest to find them because they did not like people. So they left. Some of them went so far as to go hundreds of miles out into the ocean to live on an, an island that was hundreds of yards across. Yeah, just to get away just from Just to get you. away from people. And, because fuck people. Well, and here's the interesting thing is hermit is... The first thing that comes, comes to mind is a male, but actually hermit, like all these words, gender neutral. Yeah. Like wizard. It's like the, the masculine is always the gender, gender neutral... Term. Yeah, hermit, seer, uh, even wizard. Wizard just means one who is wise. It doesn't indicate a male witch. Mm -hmm. um, witch used to be gender neutral. Now it almost exclusively applies to females. Hermit, whether male or female, whether Baba Yaga or Merlin, it involves them going f all the way fuck as far as the way as they can from average person. They usually have something people want because they have that kind of wisdom and whatnot. And here's the thing. They actually embody the three balance points, if you think about it. Because they're wild, so they have the Dionysian. They're living close to nature with animals, typically. They tend to... Then they also have the Apollonian, because they're wise. They often They have, learn things. They learn because things. Because if they don't, they die. Yes. So you have the balance of these two points. And then to stay alive, they have to be able to execute it. So you have the Herculean. Right, the physical. The hermits combine all three of these. The druids would be far more on the Apollonian. Right. Well, and here's the thing, too, is like hermits. The people that are really enamored with the Dungeons & Dragons magic crap, they're going to be like, ah, so they were all magic users. I guess you could say that, but they didn't sit around chanting into their, into their singing bowl. They were magic users in the way of, I know somebody that's really sick. 
there's a hermit that lives up on this mountain. I'm going to go find him. He might know medicine that can help this person so that they don't die. Well, the thing with druids is they're a lot less frail old men with scythes and white flowing cloaks and a lot more. Honestly, the closest thing I've seen to how druids are actually described would be uh, the freaking Diablo games mm -hmm. with like the super strong looking, just badass mother frickers. Probably has some animals that like them, some wild ones. Wild ones, maybe. A and he calls them friends rather than his pets because they are. Well, that's the thing is they're an even the animals. And they're friends that probably, honestly, let's be honest, probably that hermit is backup food for half those animals. It's like people will cringe when they're like, oh, I like your dog. I'm like, yes, I like my dog too. And he's backup, like, backup food. He's, he's backup, backup food. And they're like, what? Well, well yes, if I run out, I will share my food with him until I run out. And then hopefully we hunt together. And then failing that, if we get nothing to eat together, he becomes my one of my last meals, hopefully to get me into a whole another series of many more meals. He is probably, and I expect him to look at me the same way. Oh, yeah. We're best friends, right, until we got to eat each other. Right. And, and might even starve to death together. Just yeah. waiting for the other one to die. Well, it's actually something that irritates me when people are like, dogs are only in it for the food. Yes, that's why homeless people's dogs will get on buses, go all the way to the other side of town, look cute, beg for food, and bring it back to the person while the dog is starving, just so their person can eat. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure they're just in it for the food. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, that's a whole nother thing, and you can get all in and out. But, 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 technically... And we all know what I think of the word technically. As soon as somebody says technically, there's nothing but bullshit coming out of their mouth right behind it. Well, and this is this is partly why these three balance points are so important. It's like uh, people will try to have this caste system where they will set a, a top and a bottom. We don't work that way. Yep. We don't have... Well, there, what about a three-point? You have the like middle, the, you mean uh, the middle class, the upper class, and the lower class? The, the closest set that we actually have in a natural society would be more like a lazy Susan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a pie chart. You have people in this section. Yeah, you have it's not a top section. and bottom. It's a left and right kind of situation. Well, even the high kings that we've spoken about before, the high kings were servants to the people. That's often yes. why like chieftains or high kings would have long hair. It wasn't a sign of nobility. It was a sign of servitude. Yeah. And most of the tribes, of course, there's exceptions to the rule. Like most of the tribes, the, the, the men cut their hair short or shaved it off. This is indicated because their youth wasn't allowed to cut their hair until this no, thing they're, they're, or that thing happened. Well, there are some tribes that until you're blooded, uh, you weren't allowed to shave any hair. Right. Well, and, and a lot of people think blooded means fighting a human. No, it means literally fighting for your life. So it can be against an animal. So it doesn't always have to be a person. Some modern movie bullshit. Um, but yeah, the, this whole Hindu crap, it, it's not its not us. Well, it really isn't. Who is the most important person during a famine? The farmer. Or the hunter, go, depending on the situation. Should go without saying. It's the person that provides the food suddenly becomes the most important person. The fisherman, the farmer, Who is the, the most hunter. important person during war? Who is the most important person during a landslide? When people are hurt, pretty much everybody becomes very important at that moment. But the healers become top notch. Well, it's like moments. in a fishing village, the captains of the ships are going to be the highest 
ranking. It doesn't matter who's in charge, supposedly, of the town. It's the the ships, the captains of the ships. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they're druid class, priest class, king class. No, they are just the most and capable And they aren't telling everybody sailors. else what to do because they're too busy running their own ships. Yeah. So it, we work together. We're not like these other groups where you got the Japanese with their shoguns. And they have a class system. Uh, what is it? Shoguns followed by um, the, the samurai, followed by your bureaucrats, followed by this group, followed by... And what ends up happening is the one above actually ends up telling the other one what to do. In our natural environment, let... I don't know. Uh, let's say we have artisans above farmers. Let an artisan try telling a farmer what to do. Well, for, and like, watch that. Watch our farmer beat the living piss out of an artist. Well, like, I don't even need to reach back to the points when uh, priests were like, farmer, plant when I tell you. And plant that, what I tell you to. Because that ended horribly. Can anybody say um, the, the Irish famine? Uh, the Irish famine. Or uh, the Dust Bowl in the yes. U.S. Or my personal favorite, how we've lost half our topsoil in this country because the government pretty much mandated what farmers should grow and yes. how they should grow it. What they should grow, how they should grow it, when they should grow it. Who they can sell to. Who they can sell it to, et cetera, et cetera. Telling a f- uh, the new priests. Yeah, well, the government and the scientists are the new priests. People treat scientists with the same amount of aplomb they used to reserve for priests. And there's a reason that priests tend to go by father. It's because fathers have a very important role in a family. It gives them a, a, okay, it gives the priest a false sense of authority. Yes. And it's to reinforce it on a subconscious level. And that's what they want. Same as the government's come right out and said that they are the, the parent, the father to the people. Yeah, which is why they've removed dads from the situation. And this is, we're, we're all well, And they're trying to remove mothers now. Yeah. I mean, California straight up is trying to take the kids. Communist mm. style. Christian style. We are basically set up right now completely unbalanced. A political system. Binary. I mean, if a, if a family has a husband and wife, they tend to not have kids. If uh, they have a mother and a kid, they tend to not have a father. If they have a father and a kid, they might not have a mother. So many people are having this natural three-point balance system of the family just ripped apart. Mm-hmm. The family can't exist without all three. Right, and really, it all comes down to the notion of good and evil. Once you once you buy into one binary, it's easy to sell you onto another binary, onto another one, and another one, and another one. So everything is binary, good and bad, on and off. Well, it's like men that hate women and women that hate men. Mm-hmm. When really, it's triketra. It is the triketra. You want a symbol of balance, the tri- the triketra. Um, do you know how to spell it off the top of your head? T-R-I-Q-U-E-T-R-A. There you go. Look that up. That is the Hyperborean balance symbol. It's not the yin-yang symbol. I know that looks cool with like Hati and Skull from Norse myth, but it's not actually a symbol we use. No. That's definitely an Asian thing. Well, and, I- and theirs is actually four. Four to infinite, depending on how they do it. It's not actually two. Well, for the Asians, it's four. Well, I think it's even in the yin yang symbol. You have the you have the the yin, the yang, and then you have the yang within the yin and the yin within the yang, mm-hmm. which is counted as a different thing. Yes, it's got a completely different name. It so their balance system is four. For a lot of your universalists, it's the scales. 
Yes, it's well, like, uh, and I've looked around. It, they seem to always use scales or like a um, a pyramid, but then the pyramid becomes a scale because they always put a plank on top of it. Yep. I mean, think about it. Well, it's like how much of your karma is on the good side versus the bad side. Mm-hmm. Are your sins so bad that you need a poor person to come in and Weighing eat a piece your heart of bread against off the you. feather? So on and so forth. Once once things become universalistic, they tend to go to scales. Well, and that's the other thing is this is ethnic faith. But if you are in, say, the occult, it tends to have a two-point balance system. Right. Well, the occult is universalistic. And that kind of comes back to something else that we want to discuss at in our time, which is cultural theft. Okay. Some people try to argue and well, I follow ethnic faith. Oh, explain it to me. Well, Hinduism is an ethnic faith. Yeah, but you're a Hyperborean. A Dravidian can follow Hinduism, and that is ethnic. A white person following Hinduism is universalistic. Well, it's like... um, And it doesn't matter which ethnic faith it is. It's like a Dravidian following Hyperborean ethnic faith. He has to make it universalist. It's just the way that it works. Us following it is ethnic faith. Somebody else following it is universalist. doesn't matter if it's the Native Americans uh, from the North, the Native Americans from, from South and Central America. They can follow their own, and that's ethnic. As soon as somebody else tries following it, it turns it into universalist. Well, it's like um, how we tend to do things. People want don't know how to do European ethnic faith, even though it's instinctive. You do it instinctively. Mm-hmm. You just pick the Jesus crud out, and you actually are pretty darn but close. But what about heaven? We actually have that heaven, the quote-unquote heaven, that all these Christians want to go to because they've never read the book. So their idea of heaven is, oh, all your friends and family are there, and you're, you're never in want for food or water, or uh, you can go sunbathe or sit in the shade you can fish all day you can hunt all day whatever it is that you want to do that is there hyperboreans actually have that and it's got many different names from many of our different tribes using different languages but it all translates down to meadow of the ancestors field of the ancestors or Or meeting place yeah meeting place of the ancestors that's where the bulk of our people would go yes unless we are truly dedicated to say the abrahamic god in which case then we go into the can the cannibal God is going to do what cannibals do He's going to, to, eat. to their followers. Well, there's only one thing you love unconditionally, and that's hamburgers. Yes. And that's the thing is a lot of what Christians like is pagan. The meadow of the ancestors, like they even use it like um, supernatural. Mm-hmm. Heaven by the end is the meadow some of the ancestors. Some Christians straight up use it. Some, some of the folk Christians straight up use it. Yeah. And they really piss me off because they take all this pagan stuff and they just try saying that it's Christian. Well, and then there's all these different realms, the realm of the Fae. Fiddler's Green, mm-hmm. Davy Jones Locker, Paul Bunyan's Camp. The Greek one has, has an awesome name. What? Elysium. Elysium. Sounds well, so badass. Well, and just like just like Valhalla where they start hyper... Uh, during a militarized period of time, they hyper-focus on the warriors and start being like, well, you can only get into this, into a good place. If you are a great warrior and die in battle, basically trying to encourage people, okay, get out, get out, get out on the battlefield, go, 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 go. You want, you want to have a nice afterlife, don't you? Because Elysium used to effectively be for everyone, but then mm-hmm. by the late stage, it was more for specifically heroes and shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's this. 
Which, guess what? If all of our people are very heroic, guess guess who gets to go there? Everybody. That's why I argue for all of our well, people to be heroic and be noble. Well, we're all inherently noble. The, the, the ruling class does not rule because they have div- divine descent. They rule because they convinced everyone else that they didn't have it. All, every one of our people are descended of the gods. Which ones? Fuck if I know. I mean, some of the few areas... Chase, chase back your, your lineage. You can figure it out. Well, like so, I, like, if you're if you're Celtic, you have a... You, you descend from a Celtic god. Well, like, especially the Celtic clans were pretty good at keeping track mm-hmm. of this. Like, you can look into, like, I think it was, like, Clan McDonald or something. Yeah. Clan uh, I mean, it's actually still written down. Somebody was smart enough to write it down once. Oh, yeah. Uh, most of the Celtic clans... You have actual folklore in your families, even if you have to look it up online, that your ancestors derive from that. You have a ancestral god. Mm-hmm. And that's all of us. Yeah, all of us. It's just a lot of us forgot. But you know what? It, it doesn't matter if you know precisely which one. Well, like the Arcadians, they are descended of Arcus and Callisto and Zeus. It's But like, here, here's another thing too. Like um, somebody that's pure Slavic following the, the Celtic gods and trying to equate everything to the Celtic gods I mean, because that's what they're trying to follow. They're turning at universalistic. What is wrong with the, the Slavic gods? I don't want to take your gods away from you. Well, no, and why are you trying to take them away from, take the Celtic gods away from me? And we can be brothers together in the middle, trade back and forth. I mean, gods have been known to literally move. Well, some gods, well, like there's the story of Frau Hark. She left Thuringia and went to Frank. Wait, is she leave? She left Saxony and Hall and went to Thuringia. That's what that is. But she's still in both because the stories are there. Right. We're not saying people of the different Hyperborean tribes have to breed with each other or that they can't. Well, like there are days. There's been people that's tried putting those words in our mouths before. And no, that's like, not, we're at not all what we're saying. No, like uh, Radagast. Uh, that, uh, most people don't realize he's a god. They know Radagast the Brown from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. But he's actually probably one of the most well known gods because of the name recognition. He's primarily Slavic, but he was in German tribes. He was included on one of the first uh, illustrations of the German pantheon. Mm-hmm. And again, we've said it before, but people have tried to twist it. Pantheons don't exist. That doesn't mean that what people have tried to make it mean, where all every god is one is part of one big pantheon. No, that's not what I mean. What we mean is the cult of Hala is not intrinsically linked to every other god cult from this one region. Mm-hmm. She's linked to the people who she's part of. Or who venerate her. Yes, or are descended of her, or she helps. Well, and it, here's one way that you can tell if you're venerating a different tribe's god. Do you have to get weird with it? Yeah, and do you have to get esoteric with it and start looking for hidden meanings and, well, and let's, twisting let's go- stuff to actually understand this deity? If so, you're probably talking to your neighbor's neighbor's uncle well i'll go with strange because I, weird has a very right. different meaning in pagan circles from broader so yeah, I'm, if I'm, you have to get strange with it you're probably in the wrong neighborhood it might be hyperboreans everywhere but it's not your neighborhood well it's like um let's say a greek slowing up showing up at a celtic wake might end up getting very very violent if he says the wrong thing right or it could be invited in if he says the right thing. Well, it's often like there will be there's families that will venerate. Like, let's say there's a, a Slavic woman and she marries a Germanic man. She tends to 
especially if she leaves and goes to the man's area, she tends to allow the Germanic culture to flourish, but she'll still bring like, I don't know, her favorite one, her favorite one or her favorite culture. And if you're right next to each other long enough, well, the descendants of, I don't know, Marzana and the descendants of, uh, let's go with Rubizal. You're in the same area long enough. Now you both, you have both. Right. They don't blend and become one necessarily. You have both. Yeah, and it, that's the thing because uh, the people that's taken what we've said and tried to twist it, they always go with conflation and they start conflating the gods and jamming them together, and that kills both of them. Well, it's like um, there are many different elements of war. They're not all the same war god. Yes. Tactics is not the same as battlefield prowess. Correct. What's the word? It's not cooperation. It's not commerce. It's um, logistics. Not logistics. Uh, it's not camaraderie. I think it starts with a C, but it's when two countries, you're a... Uh, Conflict? No, it's like a positive. Allies? Uh, yeah, allies, whatever the word is for that. To, okay. like, gathering allies is different from... I'll think of it about five minutes after the Probably. But it's not all the same war god. And it's like people will conflate Woden, Wotan, Odin. All right, first of all... Let's let's go with they all were once one god. I don't agree with that, but fuck it. I'll, I'll for the purposes for a of this thought th- experiment. Why are you abandoning any stories Woden has with the English, for instance? Because he had stories with you. He interacted with you. Mm-hmm. He had a specific role among the English. He had a specific reason for talking to the English. He had a specific way of doing things for the English. Why are you throwing every last... Or rather, the tribes that became English. The tribes that became the English. Why are you throwing every single story Woden had with your people down the drain and then just settling for how the Icelandics saw him? Yeah, at at best, you're killing one god, if not two. Yeah, you're if you're not even... Yeah, or... Yeah. That's the thing, people. When you are abandoning your local lore for outside lore, you are destroying... A lot. And I'm not going to try and get wordy with it. I'm not trying to going to try and get poetic. Well, with one it. thing that um, that we want to do, or at least I want to do, when uh, when we do get in a position where we're working with people and getting a village going and so on and so forth, because we are not anywhere near that point currently. But when that does happen, what I would like to do is put up a monument, much like your war monuments, make a list of gods that are MIA. Not necessarily dead. We don't know. All we have is a name. This is what happens when people either conflate the gods or they just straight up ignore them. Because we do have a lot of gods that are MIA. We have a name and nothing else. Which is, to me, is so detrimental. But if you, when you're conflating gods and saying this god is the same as that god... You're killing at least one of them, if not both of them, well, and, and turning them into some other weird chimera god. Well, and here's my question. Why do so many people not seem to care about the stories? I mean, I'll meet people that claim to have read The Lord of the Rings. The Silmarillion, which is like trying to read gravel getting shoved in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And then they'll talk about the Eddas when they clearly haven't read them. Mm-hmm. You can't read the Eddas and come away only knowing like three gods. Right. What they'll read is they'll read what other jo- people John, wrote about. John Bach said, 
about the Eddas, but they refuse to read the Eddas themselves. Read the stories if you're going to venerate. And go in with, with an empty mind. Like, try to put your presumptions away. Everything that, that you've been taught, like, this God is good, and this God is actually this other thing, and this God over here is bad, and this God and this God is actually the same God. No, 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 no. Try to set all that to the side. If, if you want to read the, read the Eddas, that's great. But any of them, any of the books, try to set, away, set aside your preconceptions because there's, there's, there's books uh, with the lore for all of the tribes. But try to read it without the preconceptions. Throw away any familial links between various gods and throw away any um, multiple names. And just take the stories for what they are. And yes, of course, some of them are really fucked with, so you're going to have to identify the Christian. For most for most of Europe, it's going to be Christian, the Christian elements, and pluck those out. But the only way to do that is first you have to know Christianity, not what not folk Christianity. You have to actually know real Christianity. Yeah, and it's not pretty, folks. Yeah, you it is. You not take away pretty. all the paganism, it is a it is a horrifying religion. It is. It, it makes Islam look like. Uh, well, we said it earlier in the show. Christianity, actual Christianity, because they're bound by a fucking book, cannibalism and pedophilia and and, and uh, necrophilia. It's all fair game. No, oh, and in, uh, incest is actually encouraged. Oh, yeah. Incest is encouraged by actual Christianity. It's in their lore because you want to talk about morals. Well, the Christian morals that they all talk about. The Christian morals, if you go by Christianity, by the rules of Christianity— it's horrifying. Well, and our this, stories, on the other hand, what most people think of as Christian morals is just Hyperborean morals. Yes, and like they're don't kick puppies. Well, it's like um, we've talked about this. You look at a Hyperborean baby; they're in wonder. Even if they see like a non a non Hyperborean race of man, they're like they're oh. curious. They have wonder in their well, eyes, like it's curiosity when they're looking at others. But when they look at an, ex an exemplary Hyperborean, that's when the wonder shows up. Yes, but it's like, oh, look at that. It's neat. Mm -hmm. Whereas like uh, little African babies, little sub-Saharans, they're terrified of white people. They actually start trying to flee. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen more than one of their little babies. Babies trying to crawl out of the crawler to get away from me. While the little Hyperborean babies, they're like cranking their neck around watching, trying to see me as long as they can see me. I've seen the little Hyperborean babies look at like the uh, a non a non Hyperborean, and they're curious, and they're they're wide eyed. But they're not in wonder, but they're they are curious. But then when they see the the exemplary Hyperborean, they're like, "Wow!" Just like you said at the beginning, our our spirituality, our religion. Because here's my thing: I'm going to stop using spirituality because it's actually a terrible freaking word. Mm -hmm. Spirituality was coined specifically to get people to buy shit. Mm -hmm. uh, it may have meant something else at some point, like just not having a constructive religion, like most people w would think of right. Christianity. But nowadays it's, well, are you spiritual if you don't have your runes carved in ivory? Right. Well, like we could probably sell more stuff on, uh, on our store if we used to say, express your spirituality, buy our stuff. But instead we're like, Hey, if you like the things that we do, if you like our show, if you uh, our podcast, if you like the stuff that we put on our Telegram, if you're excited about an upcoming book and you want to support us that we can do better, buy our stuff. We would honestly make more money if we was like, oh, hey, 
express your spirituality on a t-shirt or with a mug. And you can't see me doing it, but I'm doing the stereotypical 1950s commercial smile. Oh, I hate those so much. Yeah. So, yeah, the word spirituality was coined to sell shiny rocks. Well, and the way I would describe it. Yeah, precisely. Well, literally, like, where the fuck does this crystal crap come from? Yes, I, looked, sh- I can't find it in any ethnic face. Anything. I think people it were... It doesn't seem to show up before, like, 1950s, well, 1960s. Well, it's clearly from the New Age movement, but let's mm-hmm. let's put it this way. What the heck does Himalayan salt crystals have to do with Celtic spirituality? Yeah, I mean, Himalayan. It's in the name. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, you got something yeah, else I'm that gonna, you're going to say, gonna... so I'm going to wrap up right now because we're at that time. Yeah, don't keep your head down. Don't keep your mouth shut. Start loading up because the shit's already hit the fan, man. Yes, and I will say if you, someone is presenting a binary, a yes, a no, a this or that, Know that this is a false dichotomy. We do not function under a two-dimensional moral compass. We function instinctively. We function from our way of viewing things, which is three-dimensional. It is, it is more. It is four-dimensional, I could argue. But for the purposes of the symbolism, three points. Minimum. Ethnic faith is the story of us. It's not the story of anyone else. When you start having to include the others in there intrinsically, you've already lost the plot. If we want to find balance, if we want to stop allowing ourselves to swing in the pendulum, we have to start looking to who we are once more. Lorekeeper out.